Welcome everyone to another episode of Where's This Going? Before we get into it today, I have a quick announcement. I'm looking for some help. If you have very good video editing and or YouTube marketing skills that you feel like could contribute to the show, please hit me up. The reality is the show has continued to grow um, since I started it, but we're looking to take it to the next level. So if you feel like you'd be competent and interested, uh, go to my website, felix There you'll find all my contact information there handy. There's an email. Um, send your resume. Send some of your work, and uh, I'll check it out. And if you don't go to that website, then I could just give you my email handy right now. It's felixlevinewtg at gmail.com. Again, felixlevinewtg at gmail.com. Send those resumes. Send those portfolios, and uh, we'll take a look. I also want to remind you, if you haven't done so already, please make sure you follow me on Instagram at felix.levine and you've subscribed to my YouTube channel that you can find by searching my name, Felix Levine, on YouTube. There you'll find every episode in its full video versions as well as smaller clips and highlights from those episodes. And my next guest is a Grammy-nominated multi-platinum record producer, DJ, songwriter, responsible for selling over 75 million records. He doesn't do just that. He's also an entrepreneur, investor, executive, author. The man does it all. Please welcome the great and powerful Clinton Sparks. And we're live. I'm joined by Clinton Sparks. Clinton, thank you uh, for taking the time today. It uh, it really means the world. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I'd like to know, my first question to you is, where's this going? Hey, <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. We're about to find out. Right. Um, I told you a few seconds ago, is there a little tidbit, a little story? I know you've done a bunch of press, a lot of interviews over the years. Um, is there a little something that the world doesn't know about Clinton Sparks? Uh, no, I'm pretty transparent. Uh, I talk about everything that I go through from my personal internal feelings to, uh, you know, family issues to, uh, you know, my struggles and, and my adversity I had to overcome to, you know, the great things in my life. That's one of the things, you know, I, I pride myself on. And sometimes even like my girl might get mad, but like, I'm not going to be one of those guys that just paint a beautiful picture of all my great accomplishments and accolades. Cause you need to see all the bullshit and you need to see all the things that I go through. Like, like I had a miscarriage two weeks ago. Um, I talked about it online and you know, it was, my girl was like, you know, I really need you to keep this private. And I'm like, no, because two weeks, I mean, a month earlier, I was I was raving about having a new kid. I can't all of a sudden this kid just disappears. Plus, by the way, I can't be over here like, look at these great thing I did. Look at this fascinating person I'm hanging out with. Nothing bad ever happens. You know, and I think that's one of the reasons why like kids are in crisis uh, nowadays. And yes, I think that there is a crisis going on for kids right now of being lost and not being able to find uh, who they really are or what they're meant to be because they're so busy chasing um, what they think they're supposed to be or, or trying to emulate or, um, you know, convey something that they think they're supposed to be or that the world expects them to be. Um, and it's, it's frightening to, to know that you know, a lot of people think that they're killer or they're dope because they read a book or they watch something online. And although it's great, you can learn a lot online. Um, there's nothing like experience. 
There's nothing like understanding the feeling you felt when you had to go through that, what it smelled like, what, what it sounded like, you know, what that person's body language was like when you were dealing with them. And like, that's not things you can learn uh, strictly just from, you know, watching a, a, a webinar or reading a book. You have to live, you know what I mean? And like, and that's why, like even in this book uh, that I wrote, How to Win Big in the Music Business, this is 20 years of me living, you know what I mean? So like, and what most people don't do no, most people out here are just salesmen, right? And then to be honest, most of them are scam artists just trying to make money. Like I wrote this book, by the way, the book is free. Winbiginmusic.com, winbiginmusic.com. You can go get the book for free as soon as you're done watching this, right? But like the reason that I, I, I wrote this book is because I've watched, you know, people, especially the youth, get misled, misguided, misinformed, even me as I was coming up. You know what I mean? And I could see early on in my career, which, you know, I learned even before I started trying to build a career about people's intentions and motives. And I really was very analytical to the psychology of uh, people's dreams, fears, vulnerabilities, agendas, you know. Um, and then when I got into the music business, I really seen how like there's from then to now, it still exists now, but it was a different way of, of, of making it back then uh, over the time, over the years. But like, I would just see like, there's nobody out here that's actually really one cares, like actually really cares, right? And, and ask anyone in the business, I actually care. Like I actually want you to win. I want to help you win. I'm not even expecting anything from it. Uh, I've done it my whole career. I've just helped people for the good of the culture and just for the feeling of knowing that I can. If I know how to build something and you don't, why would I not show you? You know what I mean? Like I'd be an asshole. So, um, so I wrote this book so that I could show the millions and millions of people that want to be rappers, singers, producers, DJs, managers, videographers, choreographers, executives, A&Rs, podcast hosts, um, you know, to, sh to show them, you know, the, the way to do it, how to build an audience, how to network, how to build, you know, relationships, how to build your brand the right way, the difference of marketing and branding, how to build a sustainable company that, that is scalable. You know, and a lot of people don't look past the fake, I got a million streams, I got a bunch of followers, I bought comments, I bought likes, I bought plays. You know what I mean? It's like, it's all BS, bro. Like, that's not going to work five years from now. And I've been around long enough to watch athletes, rappers, influencers, viners, YouTubers, you name it, come and go. Because they didn't have, they didn't understand the formula for success. They didn't understand how to invest in themselves. They didn't understand what to watch out for and what's coming down the road a year from now. You know, a lot of people start feeling themselves and they get a million followers and they start getting success and you can't tell them shit. You know what I mean? Especially like when they're a young kid, when you get somebody like say me, that's older than them, that's telling them you get like the dad syndrome where they're almost like, man, you don't know about my culture. You older. And it's like, no, no, no. You don't understand life. You only understand this one thing that you're doing good at. And this one thing can't survive without knowing all of these other things that are going to come down the road that you don't see. Not because you're not smart, because you haven't had the experience. So it's people like me that have helped shape and shift culture for the past 15, 20 years and have built multiple multi-million dollar businesses that can tell you where the landmines are, what to, what to watch out for and how to pivot. And that's what I do in this book. I know that was a huge answer for the question you just gave, but I tell you that. I love it. Is there is there something that you uh, that you wish a young Clinton Sparks knew that you now know that would have maybe saved you um, time, effort, money, energy, all the all the above? Um, no, I don't. I, I I I'm thankful for all the shit that I had to go through to get to where I am because that's it made me who I am now, and I like who I am. 
Um, it also gave me all the information that I have to be able to write a book like this, to be able to come on a podcast like Where's This Going and explain things to people that, that they don't know. You know, there's a lot of people out here like pumping out fake inspiration and fake game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, and I've watched it for years and like I've even was, was conflicted within myself to write this book because I've always been someone that walked my own path. Uh, even when like DJ crews would be like, yo, let's recruit you. I never wanted to be part of a crew because then that means I'm not part of you. You know what I mean? And I wanted to be down with everybody. I was a kid in, in high school that I could walk in the cafeteria and sit with, you know, the jocks and then the, the black kids over here, the Asian kids over there, the kids over there that we don't even know what they're doing downstairs because you don't even see them throughout the school day. Like, so like I was that kid that was friends with everybody because I like and respect and appreciate everybody. Um, so uh, what made me go there? Um, oh, so yeah, so understanding people and understanding what people need and want and what they need to feel um, is, is, can only be done from someone that's lived, had experience, uh, analyzed it, and cared enough about other things other than their own desires, their own goals, and their own dreams. And I've always cared. Um, one example, I, I did this, I spoke at this engagement one time, um, and one of the things I brought out there was I did this thing where I would call people up, like, stand up. Where'd you go to school? Where'd you grow up? And then they told me, and I'm like, here's what you were like in school. Here's what your relationship was with your parents. Here's what your love life was like in school. Blah, 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 blah. You weren't really athletic. Da, da. And your friends around you are laughing right now because I'm nailing it. And they know that I'm nailing it, right? And he's like, what are you, Houdini? I'm like, no, I'm Clint Sparks. Get familiar. And I did this little girl. And at the end, I was like, the reason why I know who all you guys are, and you guys don't necessarily know who I am, is because I actually give a shit. You know what I mean? Like most people want to hang around like-minded people so that they can endorse their ideas and thoughts. Meaning, say me and you are friends. And I'm like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, yeah, dude, fuck that guy. Right? Mm -hmm. Because we kind of think the same. Right? I want to hang around people that don't understand where I'm coming from, that want me to expound on it, that want to give a different perspective from it so that I can say, oh, shit, because I already know how to sell to myself. I already know how to get across to myself. I need to know if I want to be a good salesperson, if I want to brand or market something, if I want to start a new business, if I want to help somebody else, I need to know how everybody thinks and what everybody's problems are and care about it in order to get past it. Another quick story, Buster Rhymes, like several years back, calls me and he goes, he calls me, hey, yo, Sparks. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, hey, yo, I really want to saturate the streets like this kid, Little Wayne. And I was like, all right, he goes, yeah, I want to hit the streets with these mixtapes. And I was like, he's like, I need your help. So I was like, all right, cool, give me 24 hours. So I did a you know, side-by-side column, Little Wayne and Buster Rhymes. And then I did like, you know, to understand how to get to where you want to go, you have to be, one, be self-aware, and two, be honest with the things that maybe you're doing that's not getting you there, and the things that may hurt your feelings, but are honest that maybe you're not fucking doing right, right? So when I call him the next day, I'm like, well, let's weigh it side by side. He's got cash money. You've got flip mode. You know, he's really tapped into the streetwear with like skateboarders and, you know, trucker hats. You got bougie. Who? No one wears bougie, right? I go, he's 26, you're 36. You know, he, and I was comparing it. And like, and instead of listening, and by the way, I love Buster. He just called me the other day. But, and he's got a new album coming out October 30th too. So if you're mad at the story, you should be happy that I'm promoting your album, right? <laughs> So, so anyways, um, so then he was like, and I go, he goes, hey, yo, I really feel like you're disrespecting me right now, Sparks. 
And I was like, no, dude, what's disrespecting you is the 40 year old yes men that are around you that are just pumped to be down with you and excited. And by the way, you're intimidating. So when you say, yo, 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 and they're just like, yeah, hell yeah, bus. No one's going to jump up and be like, nah, that's whack. And here's why I go, I'm your friend. And I also want the goal to be that you accomplish what you're trying to do. If we're going to try to accomplish that, you have to realize the roadblocks that are in your way to accomplishing that. And these are those things. Um, and you know, he wasn't feeling it. So he hung up and then, you know, we didn't talk for a couple of years and everything got cool, but go ahead. Have you, have you been able to always be honest, I guess, with yourself and as well with the people around you, or especially in, in the music industry, kind of like the example you just gave at times it can be hard. Yeah. I'm very self-aware. I know my, my, my strengths. Um, and one thing I always say, I talk about in the book, um, it's equally as powerful to know, uh, what you're not good at as is what you are good at. What are you in not good at? Huh? What are you not good at? Um, the one thing that I will say that I'm still practicing is, and this is going to sound super pompous, um, but you know, any empath and any like really like fast, high thinker will understand when I already understand how to fix everything, but it, like I have to slowly walk everybody to the fix because most people, one, don't want to admit that you know more than them. So when you have the answer and you're like, no, this is how you fix it. Who says you? You know what I mean? It's like, so I understand that most people don't want to swallow the pill of you being right. Right. Or So you have to like really finesse them. So my patience in being able to say, no, this is how it works. Let's go. You know what I mean? So the one thing that I lack in is the patience of being able to spend a week to walk somebody to this deal getting done when it's like, how do you not see it? You know what I mean? Like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you win, 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 win. How, what, what else do you need to know? Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't understand. You're thinking of the wrong thing. Why are you even thinking of that? You know what I mean? So like, it's kind of that. There's a scene in Goodwill Hunting. Do you know the movie? Yeah. So there's a scene where Matt Damon is sitting across from the professor and he gives him uh, an essay or something. And, the, and the, 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 he's sitting there like, hey, have you thought about and Matt Damon's like, yeah, it's in there. And he goes, what about this? He goes, yeah, it's in there too. And he goes, what about, and he goes, you know what it's like to watch, you know what it's like for me to sit here and watch you guys fucking fumble around with this shit when it comes so easy to me? <laughs> that's like, that's what life is like to me. You know what I mean? So like, whether it's a business deal, whether it's a resolution in a relationship, whether it's just fixing things, like it's, it's one of the chapters of my book is called Mastering Art, Automatic Resourceful Thinking. Right. And it's like, as soon as there's a problem, you automatically think, what can we do to fix this? Right. So, you know, that, that's probably the one thing that to answer your question, what's the one thing I'm bad at is um, being better at having patience in understanding that most people don't see the common sense or the rationale that's right in front of them. How do you go about improving that on a daily basis? Do you like try to understand when you're doing that thing and try to take a second, hold back and be more patient, if you will? Yeah, like I'll give you an example today. Um, somebody at one of the biggest platforms in the world I was texting with um, said something that was so dumb, right? And after I had a very lengthy conversation about this is what the deal will look like. Here's how everyone wins. I'll do all the heavy lifting. You don't have to do anything except win, right? And then like, then I get, you know, a text today where they just, I just wanted to be like, what the fuck are you talking about, right? And it's really that. So uh, what I do is I realize that everybody, look, Superman would be pissed if everybody didn't fly next to him, right? He needed to realize everyone doesn't fly, 
right? So I'm the one that can fly. So I'll fly up there and save her from the building. You guys just chill out here and recognize that I'm the one with the flying power. So let me do it and don't get mad at it and don't talk shit about it. Let's just agree. I can fly. You can't. Maybe this is another superpower you have that I don't have and we'll rely on you for that. But right now I got the cape. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's really just like understanding everybody doesn't see what you see. And obviously, and also everyone else's priorities are not yours. So sometimes when you're like, this is a no brainer to them, they're not seeing it because one, they don't have your vision. If they did, then they'd be winning as much as you. And then two, um, their inability to see things doesn't mean they're, they're, they're not smart. It just means they have a different operating system in ingesting information, you know what I mean, and, and, and computing it. So it's my responsibility, whether it's in a, my relationship with my girl or it's a business, where I understand um, how they operate and how, how I must communicate with them to be effective. You know, even in a personal relationship, if you keep having the same argument with your girl, who's really the idiot? You know what I mean? Like, you know what she gets mad at, you know the trigger words, you know how she receives your information, you know when you're saying something dickish. If you know all these things, you have all the ammunition ammunition to go to war. You won already. You know where they're hiding, you know their setup, you know their weaponry, you know, you won. You know what I mean? So like you, if you take responsibility uh, for all the problems, then guess what? Now you have the strength to fix them. So just assume responsibility for everything so that now you're keeping yourself accountable to fix it. Is there a time that you um, felt like you didn't take accountability that resulted in, uh, I guess, a negative outcome that you then learned from? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, in, in personal relationships, you know, it took me, I didn't just know what I just said to you overnight. You know, it took me making these mistakes mm. to realize, oh, this is how life works. <laughs> this is why people get divorced and this is why people keep having the same arguments. This is why negotiations don't get done. And this is why people lose out on amazing opportunities and deals because they don't, they don't possess the ability to understand and care. You know, once you care about somebody else's feelings as much or more than your own, it's really like probably one of the biggest keys of life. Like you'll, you'll skyrocket. Now, I've only been talking to you for about 15, 20 minutes, but anyone who's listened to an interview or is listening to this right now can tell, and from your accolades, of course, um, the hard work, the dedication, all that that goes into to you and your career. Were you always um, a hard worker, dedicated, motivated? I mean, were you or were you, uh, you know, younger and a little bit more of a, you know, slacking off in school or X, Y, and Z? You're always always a workaholic. Even when I was 12 years old, I started my first business. Uh, it was called rent a teen, which sounds weird in 2020. But uh, when I was a kid, it was basically like I put, got all my friends and I would promote for us to like shovel your walkways, go grocery shopping, clean your car, clean your house. And then I would do that. And then I'd hire all my friends and then take my dick off the top. Um, so I was always like, if I wasn't shoveling driveways to make money, I was, I was always hustling. I always had, I was always an overachiever and I always outworked everybody at whatever job I had. Even when I worked at UPS, um, you know, anybody that works at a union will understand this. I worked at UPS and when I went full time, I always try to outdo my own record every day. So I would deliver the packages <laughs> and the union <laughs> fights for specific hours for the company. So they're like, this is a 12 hour route. UPS is like, no, it's eight. And then the union fights and it ends up being a 10 hour route, right? So then here comes Clinton Sparks who comes in here is banging out nine hours one day, eight hours the next day, seven hours the next day, 
right? So like it makes the union be like, what the fuck? So one time I was driving by a bunch of old timers, they were having lunch and I would like work through my lunch. Uh, and I drove by and I beat the horn, like, hey, what's up, guys? And one guy threw a sandwich at me. They're like, take a break, you asshole. Right. So like, <laughs> so like I didn't realize at the time, like, why would I would think they would think I'm awesome? You know what I mean? Like, but no, they were like, you know, people want to take their breaks. They want to punch in at nine. They want to get off at five. They want their weekends. They want vacations. Like working to me is thinking and innovating. And that's never not fun to me. So mm-hmm. like I'm never not working. You know what I mean? Like it, to me, it makes no, any entrepreneur knows this. Like you're excited to wake up to get back to work. You know what I mean? Because you have a great idea that you want to make come to life because you see it. You can see what other people can't see. And your vision and your drive to make it come to reality is what, is, is what drives you. So, you know, I'm never not working. You know, some people, some people have dreams and goals and, you know, they, 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 they don't have the ability to put in all the time they want to because they have a full-time job, they have a family, whatever, so they put in part-time. Then you have other people that, uh, you know, are willing to put in uh, full-time. Then you have some more driven people that are even willing to put in overtime. But if you really, really want to win in a big way, you got to put in big time. What is big time? All the time, every time. I'm never not on. I'm fucking working big time. Now, how do you also find balance as well to have your personal relationships, your girl, your family? I mean, you know, is, has that been a struggle over the years? Is that something that you've, uh, you know, found is pretty easy? How do you do that? Well, I'm very, well, I'm present when I'm there. So that's one thing. So uh, I do work a lot. But when I'm with my family, I'm with my family. Um, and, you know, there's never not, there hasn't been one, my son's 16. There hasn't been one day in my entire life, no matter if I was in China or wherever, that I wasn't on the phone with him. When I wasn't home, I wasn't on the phone with him when he woke up and before he went to bed. Um, so it's funny too, cause his mom used to be like, what do you set your alarm? I'm like, no, I just love my son. I just know I miss him. So, uh, so, you know, and that's like, I would literally fly across the country when I was on E news for five years as a host, there were times that I would literally take the red eye to fly back to Boston, go home, make him breakfast, see him off to school, go right back to the airport and be in LA to be in the studio by 2 PM that afternoon to film the show. You know what I mean? So like I take being a, a good father very serious and it's probably the most, it's the title that I'm most proud of. Now let's talk a little bit about um, your first taste of the music industry. And, um, you know, I mean, well, did you Before ever- we talk about that? Can we talk about that? You have a hairnet on your microphone. Oh, I, Hey, COVID. <laughs> you got You got it. <laughs> it is a hairnet. What, what do they call these? I call it microphone covers. Microphone covers. But yeah, it is a hairnet. <laughs> um, uh, your first taste of the music industry. Um, did you did you ever imagine you'd be where you are today? I mean, yes. wh- I didn't. I didn't. I didn't imagine it. I uh, envisioned it. And um, I have a quote in my book. Something. Uh, well, most people would imagine what it would be like to make it in the music business. I couldn't imagine not making it. Mm. Um, so you know, I, I had no plan B. Right. Like I. I. I, I didn't graduate high school. I, I did hard labor my whole life so when I hurt myself at that UPS job and had to get spinal surgery I had no plan b so the music that I was making in my bedroom and locally like you know I was made selling beats to local rappers I was winning talent shows and performing and stuff um making mixtapes you know it's funny when you're doing stuff like this well now it's different because the internet everybody thinks they can be famous tomorrow but when, when I was coming up it almost wasn't like a real thing it was just like 
your hobby, right? <clears throat> uh, but when I hurt my back and I was like, shit, what am I gonna, I, I can't do hard labor. I didn't graduate high school. I gotta make this music work. It's the only thing I know how to do dope, right? So, uh, and that's what I did. So I just focused on, on, on winning because I was very analytical and I understood uh, one of my friends was the big DJ on the radio station in Boston. So I used to go to the radio station and listen to him and I'd just be a fly on the wall. I'd listen to him talk to record labels. I'd listen to how radio was working. I'd listen to how listeners would call up and the things that they would want and care about. And I just soaked it all in. So when I decided this is what I'm going to do and, and make a real career out of it, I basically just lied to the whole music industry and said I had a super cracking online radio show. This is 1999. Um, and at that time, nobody understood the internet like that. And record labels definitely didn't understand. So I just, I hyped it up. I had everybody at my mom's basement from Eminem to Cameron to Wu-Tang to Common to Quelly. Everyone was coming to my mom's house because I convinced everybody that I had a great radio show. And I built relationships with everybody. Then I would start traveling down the East Coast, just giving out my mixtapes to anyone that looked like they listened to hip hop. And then I built my own syndicated radio show in 22 markets around the world. Dude, I was podcasting before podcasting was a thing. I was podcasting in the early 2000s, uploading my shows to Apple. Wow. You know what I mean? So, yeah. You're an OG for that. Um, so at what point did you feel like, okay, I'm really, I'm really starting to take a turn and I'm going up. Like this is, this is for real and I'm having success. And I know that, you know, I could be one of the next big things. So my answer is going to sound like a jerk answer, right? Uh, to some people, because I don't feel like I, I, I still don't feel like it. Mm. Um, every day I wake up, like I'm still, you know, just a loser kid from Boston. trying. But to maybe that's why you're successful. Probably because it's the drive and in, in the in the self motivation that every day I have to I'll do I have to deliver the packages faster today than I did yesterday, right? It's just the mentality that I have. Um, like like this book is done. Before I was even done with this book, I started writing three other books. You know what I mean? Like it's already in my notes in my phone. All the other books that I'm writing. Like the reason I was almost late to this podcast is because I was on the phone closing a global deal that literally. It's, it's going to change my life. Like it's probably going to be the biggest deal I've ever done in my life, which is why I was like, it's oh a good God. reason. It's a good reason to be late. <laughs> I was like, Oh, Felix, I'm going to be 15 minutes late. I just got to finish this. As soon as, I, as soon as I hang up with you, I'm getting in my car and I'm out of here to go close an LOI on a, like when I say massive deal, I'm talking about global change the world, help cure the pandemic deal. Um, wow. So, and I'm in the middle of that deal right now. So, um, yeah, like I'm always looking for new incredible things, which is why I got into esports and gaming, uh, why I helped build FaZe Clan to be, you know, a company that didn't exist to becoming a $240 million valuated company. And that was my understanding of culture and demographics and industries and connecting them and being the intersection of music and gaming and bringing it all to FaZe. I brought all the big celebrity investors from Offset to Sway Lee to Pitbull to Yo Gotti, DJ Paul, Troy Carter, Ray J, Mark Wahlberg, like all these people. I brought over there and introduced them to esports and gaming. So uh, I ended up leaving that um, maybe 10 weeks ago <clears throat> after we did all that. Me, me, my buddy Greg and Will, who was the president, I was the VP of BizDev. Greg was the president. Will was the head of merch and licensing. We all left to start a new esports org called Xset. Get familiar. And our aim is in, in, in 10 weeks, we're the fastest growing esports gaming org in the world. I'm, I'm looking to make us the greatest culture club uh for the world and um look our, our one of our biggest aims is creating 
uh, the diversity and the inclusion that's much, much, necess much needed in a, in a multi million billion dollar industry that's lacking in it. And we're smashing records already doing that. There's, there's, there's things I want to tell you right now that we haven't announced that like, I'm like, yo, these guys are legit. Hey, people uh, got to make sure they follow you on Instagram, at Twitter, at Clinton Sparks to make sure that they're uh, tuned up for when that does come out. But um, what are the conversations like when you're when you're with the Mark Wahlbergs and the Sway Lees and all them um, when you're either pitching an idea or closing a deal, whatever it may be? Um, you know, it's like how is communicating with them different because they have those big names or, you know, it's just. It's the same thing. It's basically me understanding them. And what, where they've been, where they are, where they need to go, and what their abilities are, right? So, um, like, I'll introduce people to new industries and show them ways of how they can amplify their business, their current business, meet their current objectives, uh, how to build ancillary businesses that they didn't even know that existed or that they, there was an ability to build that based off of what they've already done on their own. Um, so that's what, like, one of the things I say this in my book as well, if you feel triumphant, triumphant or accomplished because you were able to convince somebody to invest in something or buy something or do something that wasn't extremely valuable or beneficial to them, uh, and you feel like, yes, I just closed another deal, that doesn't make you an awesome salesperson. It makes you a con man. Uh, and the reason being is because I don't go, I never go to anybody and try to pitch them on something that I don't think is of a benefit or value to them. And in order for me to understand that it's beneficial or valuable to them means I have to care enough about them and their initiatives and their goals to come to them with something that's a win-win-win situation. I've never in my entire life went to somebody that, uh, that would only benefit me ever. I always look at how does it, how do they equally or even more benefit from this opportunity than I do. So that's how the conversations are. It's like I introduce them to something, talk to them a little bit. And I say, here's something that I've been thinking about that I think would be fantastic to you. Here's why. Here's what it is. Here's why it's dope. Here's why you need to do it. Here's how you make money. Do you want to do it? And here's what I need from you. End of discussion. You know what I mean? Boom. And how do you, uh, I mean, you're doing so, you're in so many different industries. Um, you know, how do you have the time for all these things? I mean, how are you efficient? And for those people out there listening that, want to learn skills about being efficient. I'm sure that you have a couple uh, different ways in which, you know, you could suggest on how to, if you, if you are interested in a certain different number of uh, career paths or, or uh, fields, um, you know, to, to be in all of them without spreading yourself too thin. Right. Um, that's probably one of the number one questions I get. Even Diddy was like, when do you sleep? Right. <laughs> um, so um, one of the tricks that I do is I have a, a little victory list. Um, and what that means is like, you know, you always have your goals for the day, right. Or the week or the month or whatever. Right. And a lot of times if you don't accomplish those goals, you know, you can self-inflict, uh, feeling defeated or deflated, right. Because you're like, ah, fucking bummed, man. I didn't get this shit done today. Right. And, and that's, and, and I used to do that. Right. But, and, and I would never take into account, account the 47 other things I did, which prevented me from getting that one thing done. Right. So when I started making a list and I'd look at like, like, look, look at this is what I do every day. Wow. I make this list. Right. And then what I do, as soon as I do it, check it off, check it off, check it off. When I have a whole page checked off that day, I'm like fucking murdered the game today. You know what I mean? Do you, do you make I, that list in the morning? I, yeah, I make it. I usually make it like, even right now I could be in the middle of this conversation without you noticing my hands here. I'm writing something right here. I'm literally writing something that you don't see. Uh, that I just thought about I need to do, you know what I mean? And then like, 
I'll get, I'll hang up. I'm, I'm very like action, action, action. Someone says do something, I do it right then. Whatever I can do right that second, I do it. If it's a call, if it's a text, if it's an email, if I'm on a phone call and someone's like, yeah, so after this call, you know, let connect us on email and we'll da da da. Done. It's already done. What next? You know what I mean? Like, so that's how I operate. Just go, 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 go. And you don't procrastinate. And now we're just going to take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime sponsor in U.S. Wellness Meats. U.S. Wellness Meats has over 400 all-natural whole foods in their online store at uswellnessmeats.com. All of their beef, lamb, bison, and dairy products are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. They also offer pasture-raised heritage pork, free-range poultry, and wild-caught seafood. They specialize in every single diet under the sun and have hundreds of paleo, keto, Whole30, sugar-free, and AIP-friendly options. All of their foods are raised on family farms dedicated to sustainable and ethical principles, so you will never have any pesticides, herbicides, antibiotics, growth hormones, or GMOs. They ship anywhere in the country for only $9.50 for shipping and handling, and most orders are delivered within 24 to 48 hours of leaving their facilities. Go to uswellnessmeats.com today and when you use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, you'll receive 15% off store-wide savings. Again, go to uswellnessmeats.com, use that promo code PODCAST, and you'll get 15% off of every single order. Go check it out today. Now let's get back into it. What's your average day look like? Uh, wake up, I have a smoothie. Um, every morning I have a smoothie and a hot tea and I watch the news for like 15 minutes. Well, no, the first thing I do is I go get my baby out of bed. We dance uh, in her room for a couple minutes and then uh, I change her diaper and then we go get mama. And then we all go downstairs, we have breakfast. Um, and th- by the way, this is after I've already been up and writing my post for the day uh, on, on Instagram and responding to emails that came in like overnight. Um, so I do that. Then I go to my baby's room and then the rest of the day is, you know, I'm doing zooms, I'm doing podcasts, I'm writing out decks, I'm writing out plans, I'm making calls, sending emails because of the pandemic. I don't really have to leave my house to go to meetings, which you typically would, which is awesome. Cause you know, it'd be an hour just to go over to Hollywood. And so anyways, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think the pandemic has really, really taught people how to be much more efficient. Mm. Uh, with your time and how to get business done without wasting all the time driving and how's how's the music industry changed during this pandemic from your perspective Uh, i mean for the better to be honest um well you know it's not better or worse you know it's still moving forward i have a zoom recording session tomorrow at one o'clock right i'll be sitting right here with guitar like you know cutting records tomorrow so with a guy named jake erickson um, but yeah, so, you know, it's funny. Sometimes when I say things, I realize like, yeah, fuck man, I do a lot of shit, but I don't think about <laughs> it. I don't think about it until like someone like you says that, but like, like, how do you close a deal on like one of the biggest PPE deals in the world, you know, put out a new EP, be on a podcast talking about your book, have a recording thing going on. Like, you know what I mean? I do so many things, but I don't know if I'm not doing a bunch of things, I feel inadequate. You know what I mean? Like I need to be doing shit all the time. Like there's days, like sometimes people that work for me, are getting the shit done that needs to get done. And I still have this sense of like, but what can I do? Even though everything's getting done, I'm like, but what can I do? I feel whack right now. So I think that that's, and that way I really stems on probably because everyone doesn't have that mentality, right? And you can't expect everyone to have it. Um, but uh, it comes from being broke and mm-hmm. it comes from feeling uh, unworthy and, and seeking love and respect and acceptance. 
Um, so it's kind of the, it's kind of the, look, Dad, I hit a home run syndrome. You know what I mean? And you, but you're doing it to everybody. Will you talk about some of those, um, you know, feelings that you had? Because I think that, you know, for people who have been listening so far, uh, you've got this unbelievable energy, but you've also had, as you just mentioned, those struggles. And I think it's important to hear those both sides so that they can understand where you come from. For people who aren't familiar with your story, will you just talk about some of those uh, difficult times that now bring you to the person you are today? Sure. Um, uh, I had an alcoholic father. Uh, you know, he left us when I was, I don't know, four. Um, you know, was really abusive to my mom. And I, I watched it. Um, he left us, so he left was an alcoholic. My mom was a single mom. We were broke. We had roaches. You know, we lived in the hood. Uh, I was bullied a lot of my life. I was uh, always lived in, I was always like one of the only white kids in my neighborhood. Um, I was sexually abused for many years by my mom's uh, friend um, from like nine to 13. Um, so, you know, I didn't have any friends. That's what really, that's what made music kind of like the thing that I turned to. And music became my best friend. Um, everything I know, I learned from my radio when I was young. Um, so yeah, that's where I came from. So, you know, I was always the kid on the baseball team that, you know, I was the only one whose dad wasn't there. You know what I mean? So when, when the game's over and everyone's, we win the game and everyone's dad takes them off ice cream and shit, I'm like riding my bootleg bike home with my shitty, like, sneakers i couldn't even get cleats and then getting jumped by like kids around my way pushed into the into the bushes and they steal my glove you know what i mean so like that's how i grew up uh and i don't say any of that to say what was me because everybody has their own stories right i say it just just to identify mm. that's probably where the drive came from now how has uh not having a, a father growing up affected the way that you father your children um uh, well you know, look, if you, if you have an alcoholic father, you're going to go one of two ways. You're going to follow in his footsteps or you're going to totally defy that, right? And fortunately, I was the one that was like, because I said earlier, like, I'm very analytical. I'm like, that's a loser. I don't want to be a loser. You know what I mean? Like, so I knew early on that I didn't want to do that because I seen the things that come with it. Like, I see how it tears apart families. I see how you look like a loser and go fight people and, you know, have money issues and just nothing but problems. Um, so, you know, since I was 10 years old, uh, the two biggest goals I've ever had my whole life since I was 10 was I just want to make people happy and I want to be a good father one day. Um, so that was the only goals that I had. And I think that because I've watched people like when I was young, I'd watch like Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I'd watch them in movies when I was a kid. And they always played roles of like good men, right? That did the right thing, kept people honest, were good to their families. And that was my role model of what a man was supposed to be. So I thought that's what you're supposed to be is a good dude. So, uh, and plus like, you know, I was around like thugs and pimps and like, you know, I was exposed to everything early in my life. My mom had like lesbians and gay dudes living with us as roommates. So I understood homosexuality very early in my life. Like, so that's why I'm really open and understanding and caring about everybody because I was exposed to everybody. You know what I mean? When I was young, even like I'd see the neighborhood bully like beating up a stray dog and I'd be screaming, stop, stop. Like I would sit and I would analyze what makes that kid do that. And I would think about his mentality. Even the guy that molested me, I'd be like, what makes him molest me? Like me and my dad became friends again when I was 20 um, because I thought to myself, you know, my mom sent me with my dad when I was 15 
which is the first time living with him because I was getting arrested too many times when I was young. Um, and I went and lived with him in the suburbs. That was my first experience with like suburban life, right? And uh, I never even knew like how like white families in the suburbs lived, right? So I went there and I was like, oh shit, the dad owns a construction company, the mom drives him to, to football practice and they all go to their house on Saturday and hang, like, what? Uh, so, you know, once I was exposed to that world, um, it really opened up my mind to even more uh, understanding uh, life. Um, yeah, so I live with my dad, sorry. So I live with my dad uh, and then like we had that 18 year old, 19 year old fight where uh, he used to say this one thing to me a lot. Um, am I going on too much about- I love, uh, please All continue. Right. So um, we had this, he used to say this one thing that used to piss me off when I'd get in trouble. And he would say, uh, that's not how I raised you. And I'd be like, you didn't fucking raise me, man. Mm. You know what I mean? And then, uh, you know, he'd get pissed off that I, I didn't I didn't accept the fact that he raised me. Um, and then in 18, we had the big fight. I was like, I'm going to be a way better fucking father than you. And he was like, yeah, you'll see, Clinton. Da, da, da. You know, F you, F you. Walked out and never talked to him again. Two years went by. Um, and then I thought to myself, uh, what happened to my dad when he was young that didn't allow him to be the dad that I needed him to be? And once I, you know, dove deep into that and understood that he was in fact molested, his father used to beat the shit out of him. He got sent to Vietnam and like, you know, he had a horrible life. And how could I expect him to be a good dad at 22 or 24 coming back from Nam? You know what I mean? Never even drank before Nam. He came back an alcoholic. So like I then had empathy instead of resentment. Once that resentment turns into empathy, I went to my father and I hugged him and said, I understand Let's make amends. And then my dad was my best friend ever since then, uh, up until about a year and a half ago when we had a fallen out. And I don't fucking talk to that dude anymore. But we had a good 20-year run. Wow. <laughs> now, how do you get to a point where um, you're able to forgive him? I mean, when, you know, you talk about, I think, at, at 22, 23, when you start to kind of understand him and be more empathetic. But, um, you know, I can imagine as a young man that that takes a lot of um, – emotional energy that that drains you does it not i mean there's so no, much going on in your head no no and i think that's where people get lost in the okay. weeds and you know can't find their way to happy is because you know they hold on to all this resentment or pain or trauma and stuff that's actually not even their fault right uh, and they hold on to it they carry it around like luggage forever and then they dump that luggage on other people and it's like and, and then they're constantly on this journey of trying to get better or, you know, trying to find answers to, to some questions that they're just, there just fucking isn't no answers to them. You know what I mean? So, you know, one time I was consulting with a friend of mine and when we were done talking, she's like, oh my God, thank you for this talk. It was so helpful. It looks like I'm going to start this long journey of getting better. And I said, no, that's where you have it wrong. It's not a, it's not a journey. It's merely a decision. You need to get up from this table, walk out of that door with the decision that I'm better. Like, mm. it's, I'm not going to hold on to this shit anymore. And, you know, and that's what I did. Like, even from being molested, like, I could sit there and say, you know, eh, what was me? I was molested. I'm not successful because, because of this. And now it's like, no, man. Like, one, it wasn't my fault. I'm not the asshole that did it. You know what I mean? I was an innocent victim. And then, two, the, the questions that I may have I'm never going to get those answers. So you have to come with peace that mm. it happened. It's over. I'm here. It wasn't my fault. Delete it. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and learn from it. So it's really that simple. 
And when people say, you know, you make it seem like it's so simple, it is. You know what I mean? You're making it hard. Life is easy. People make it hard. Did you ever feel like some of these, um, you know, adverse moments broke you? I mean, did you? was there ever a point where, uh, you know, growing up bullied and all the things that, that went on and happened to you, did you feel at some point like that it was too much? I mean, maybe for a 10 or 12-year-old Clinton, you know, that's a lot. No, um, I was always curious. So back then when people would do that. Um, you I wondered why? Yeah, I'm just more like, what the, what, what am I doing wrong? Or what are they doing wrong? Why would they do that? So like, yeah, I would just, I would look into it, not out of it. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't just look at like, this is happening to me. Why me? Why don't they stop? You know what I mean? Because everyone's broken, man. Everyone's got stories. Everyone's got pain and hurt. Everyone doesn't know how to deal with it. You know what I mean? So I may have better tools in my box than you have. So I can't be mad because you don't have the same tools that I have. Mm. You know what I mean? So if I really care, I'll come help give you those tools. You know, even there's been a couple of times, like I hardly ever get anything negative towards me on the internet. I mean, maybe 10 times in my life, people wrote something negative. Right. And, and I respond And eight out of those 10 people turn around from saying something whack to then commenting, yo, Clint Sparks is, is the man, da, da, da. Because one, people just want to hug. They just want to fucking hug, man. And they just want to be heard. And they just want, do you pay attention to them, right? They want to be listened to. So like a lot of times when people write something rude, it's because they're just seeking attention. You know, I'll look at like people like say rude shit about other people's comments. And I'm like, I just put a post up. Oh no, I didn't post it. I just edited it today. I'm going to put it up. There's a post about like, you know, some kids on online shooting baskets and he's not that killer yet, but he gets up every morning and practices and he's showing his progress. And instead of people underneath rooting him on as a, as a, as, a, as humans saying, man, good job, bro. Keep going. People on there, man, you suck, bro. You trash. Like, yo, you should fucking quit. And it's like, why would you do that? Like, I, I don't understand the mentality of people just wanting to shit on other people that aren't doing something hurtful or harmful to the world. Mm. You know, if someone's, if someone's actually hurting kids, yeah, let's shit on that guy. But like someone that's really like you, if someone like watches your podcast, like fuck Felix, man, you know, this podcast is whack, right? If that's how you feel, or there's a reason why you think it's whack, how about DMing Felix saying, hey man, I watch your podcast and I think that this part of your podcast is whack. It's just my feedback, but maybe it's helpful. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to take the time and you think you have the great ideas or you think you have what it takes to be killer, then help a motherfucker. Don't shit on him. You know what I mean? hundred percent. hundred percent. Now I'm also curious. I mean, uh, you know, you've worked with the biggest, the biggest stars in the world. Is there a common thread or a commonality that you see amongst all of these, um, successful individuals? Um, other than like, you know, the hard work and the things that are pretty. Yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah I wouldn't, I wouldn't give a cliche. <laughs> I know you wouldn't. Uh, but... um, yeah. To outdo themselves. Everybody pretty much just wants to be doper and doper and doper. They're never complacent. They're never just like, yeah. And the ones that I have seen be complacent are gone. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I've watched, dude, I've watched so many rappers come and go and I've watched so many artists like feel themselves. Like they got one hit and they think they're the shit. And you can't tell them nothing. And like a year later, what happened? You know what I mean? And then they'll, they'll end up calling, like, say, like a me or another DJ or someone like, 
hey, yo, man, what's up, man? I haven't talked to you in a while. Like, yo, let's break bread. Be like, yo, let's chop it up. Yo, let's work. And it's like, come on, dude, you're a clown. A year ago, I literally had opportunities for you and you tried to sun me. You know what I mean? And now you want to come back to me? You're whack. Do better. You know what I'm saying? What's the biggest key to longevity within the music industry? Treat people right. Uh, treat the janitor the same way you would treat the CEO. Mean what you say, say what you mean. Uh, even if it's going to be a, a personal financial loss for you, if you said you're going to do it, do it. Uh, add value to other people. Um, and, and don't even expect things back when you're doing things for people. Just just put dope out, put good out, and, and do right by people. I mean, look, at, I can cash in favors all day if I want to. I've got receipts for 20 years of me doing great business and doing great stuff for people. Uh, and 99% of them, I don't even call and ask for anything in return. But if I did, they pick up the call because just, just don't be a dick. Now, I mean, you're, I think you're 41, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you see, you know, do you, do you set, we talked about goals earlier. I mean, do you have maybe how, where you hope to be in five years, 10 years down the line? Do you think about things like that? Or is it, I take it day by day and we see where it goes? Um, I guess when you're not winning, most people set a goal to get to a place that in their mind they feel like they've won. Mm. When you're winning every day, you don't have to feel like, here's where I'll be in five years or here's where I'd like to be in five. I know where I'm going to be in five years. You know what I mean? Like, because I build my life by design. I don't hope and I don't wish. Where are you going to be? Uh, I'll be a lot more successful than I am now. <laughs> uh, I, I probably would have exited three more companies. Um, I will probably, in five years from now, honestly, I'll probably be at a point where I don't have to do shit if I don't want to. Um, so, uh, but I'll never not want to, <laughs> you know what I mean? so, but like, it, it will feel a little bit, I mean, I can now, like I could, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to do podcasts to promote my book. You know, I put it out. I can pay people to do the stuff that, that needs to get done to make it work. You know what I mean? But like, I love meeting you. You know what I mean? Like, I love now that we have a relationship When we hang up, we're off the air. I'm going to give you my number and say, dude, if you need me, call me for anything. I love it. Right. Like, like, I love that. Like, I love meeting people. I love helping people. I love growing with people. I love watching people win um, and sharing them on. So, you know, I'll be still helping people. Um, I'll be probably teaching my daughter more things that she should know <laughs> at seven than she should know now. Uh, but uh, the one thing to show is I'll still be helping people. What is the feeling you get when um, you help people or you see people around you thrive? I mean, what what does that do for you? I mean, it's something that throughout this hour I've been talking to you is something that's so important. And and I really respect and I think is beautiful to see people that are in successful positions want to help other people. But what kind of feeling does that really give you when, uh, you know, you feel like you've helped someone? I mean, it's 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 really it's really your obligation and duty. Right. Like we as human beings and people, like if somebody figures out something, why would you not share that blueprint or help somebody else with it? That's why my book is free, right? So if you want to get my book, it's free, winbigandmusic.com. By the way, the principles and values in this book are not just music related. They're transferable to any industry, including your own personal relationships. So, you know, it's really, it's really, a, it's really a, how to win big at life book, you know, and people like Rob Durnick and Zach, like all these important executives have called me up, like actually mad at me that I called it about music business. Cause it's more than that. Um, but, uh, um, sorry, what was the question again? What is it about helping people that makes you feel oh, good? I don't, 
I don't know how not to do that, man, to be honest. Like um, the one thing I did learn by trying to help people so much over the years is some people don't want your help, right? So don't get mad or upset when you try to help somebody that didn't ask for your help and they're not accepting it the way that you're trying to give it to them. So that's a powerful thing I learned over the years. Like, man, I'm trying to help you, but technically you're like, well, I didn't fucking ask you. You know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, that's one powerful thing that you should keep in mind when, if you're also a patron of wanting to help others. Um, some people don't want your help. Um, but, you know, like, for instance, DJ Snake, I found him in a basement party in 2007. And, you know, to see him, to help him, to guide him, to give him advice, to teach him things, you know, he said it, he's like, I would never be who I am and understand how to make hit records if it wasn't for you. And then to see him go off and then, you know, he's been signed to me since up until last year. So, you know, we sold over 50 million records and it's just beautiful to see people like him, people like Token, who just signed a deal with Atlantic Records, who, you know, I found in 2015 and, you know, just so many artists and so many people in business to, to just help. I just like being a coach that grabs you by the shoulders and says, dude, no, you got to do it like this. Here's why. You know what I mean? And then I'll, I'll factually break down why you need to do things the way you're doing or why the way you're doing them are wrong. I'll give you the strategy. I'll tell you step by step what it's going to result to and what the end goal will then get you. And uh, ultimately, that's a big reason why I left phase and went to exit because it was really difficult uh, to be able to see, you know, 10 yards down and most people just looking right here. Uh, and it was like, you know, I'd be, I would try to teach um, strategy or like, here's why we need to do this thing for free because this free thing will end up to this thing. And then this thing will end up getting us to this $2 million check. And it was like, you know, again, going back to like entitled young, successful people that feel like they're the shit. They don't understand the hustle like that because they, because they won by just doing shit their way online. They think they figured it out, mm. right? They don't understand that this is the long game, bro. Do you want to be over at 27? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, or 33 and have nothing to invest in a house or not. God forbid you have a kid at 30 and you're going to be like, yeah, I used to be popping five years ago. You know what I mean? Like you got to think about these things. And most people don't think about those things or have somebody around them that cares enough about them to think for them. Now to wrap things up, do you ever think about legacy? Do you ever think about how people uh, will remember Clinton Sparks or how you hope to be remembered? Um, I don't really, I, I the, the people I, I want to have the fondest memory of me are, are uh, my children. So, um, you know, that's why I'm always present. That's why I'm always making them laugh. That's why I'm always listening, always guiding, always talking. Uh, me and Jack, my son, we already have, we have our routine. Like he knows what to do when I die, like to me, like we already have a funny joke that he's going to do to me when I die. So like, uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, to be honest, man, like I'm not good with compliments, so I never feel like I'm as awesome as other people think I am, right? So like a hundred people could say, you're the greatest thing ever. And I'll like literally forget they said that a minute later and just think I'm a loser again, right? So like the only thing I really care about is my son, you know what would make me the happiest if I would die and wherever I am, if I look down and see my son and he speaks about it, does a eulogy, the way I'll know that I won at life is if he says, my dad was the funniest guy I ever knew. You know what I mean? So uh, he always made me laugh and he always cared and he always listened and he always gave me good advice. 
that's, I won. I mean, one last story before we go. When I would travel a lot, um, and my son was about, let me think, maybe like eight years old. Um, remember how I told you earlier, my biggest goals in life when I was 10 were to be a good dad and to make people happy. Mm-hmm. So I call him one day. I'm like, hey, man, I'm coming home this Thursday. I can't wait to hang out all weekend. We're going to have an awesome time. He's like, yeah, dad, it's going to be sick. I'm like, what do you want to do? We're talking about playing video games and building a snow fort and having a sleepover. We used to take the couch cushions and build the whole tents and everything, right? So, and then we're talking about it. I go, hey, dude, let me ask you a question. He's like, what's up, dad? And I go, what's the thing you miss most about me when I'm gone? And he took like five seconds and he said, um, you know, dad, you just make everything happy. Um, and I was like, I want it life. It's over. I won. You know what I mean? Like, so in my house, I have a big framed picture in typewriter font that says, you make everything happy, Jack Sparks. Because uh, how can you ever be in a bad mood when you look at that? You know what I mean? So Beautiful. Uh, people can follow you on Instagram and on Twitter at Clinton Sparks, ClintonSparks.com. And again, the book, How to Win Big in the Music Business. Clinton, absolute pleasure, honor to have you on my show. Um, you inspire me for so many different reasons, and I'm sure the people listening out there. Uh, so thank you again for taking the time today. Felix, thank you for creating a platform to help people like me get the voice out. I appreciate you considering me worthy enough to be on your show. And thank you for promoting my book, my music. Uh, hopefully it'll be down here below. It'll be down everywhere. Winbigandmusic.com. <laughs> if you want to get more familiar with me, ClintonSparks.com. And if you want to follow me on socials, at ClintonSparks. Get familiar. Exactly. Thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Perfect. Be safe.